Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Redding from Federal Baseball. I've got Doghouse from Federal Baseball on the line. There's the Nationals drop a 5-2 decision to the Chicago Cubs and Wrigley Field. Doghouse will start as we always do, or usually at least with the man on the mound, Joe Ross. Two earned runs allowed in 22 and two-thirds innings pitched before tonight. 0.79 ERA on the year heading into the start versus the Cubs. 2.89 fit, seven walks, 14 Ks, 190, 267, 260 line against after four starts, but a single by Tommy LaStella, a double by Chris Bryant. That gets lost in the vines in center. We'll talk about that more later. Uh, walks to Anthony Rizzo, I didn't say Mike, and a two-run single by Ben Zobrist, who could have been our second baseman, makes it 2 nothing early. Uh, leadoff single, two-out walk in the seventh end is outing after 103 pitches, nine Ks, two to nothing Chicago at that point. A solid outing by Ross. He gives up two runs, and his ERA jumps up to 1.23 on the year, but good outing by the right-hander on a cold night in Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can sort of put an, put an asterisk next to that, and uh, we'll, you mentioned that we'll talk about this later, but I think it's arguable that he, he gave up no earned runs on this outing. Uh, I realize technically by, by the scoring decisions, two of them were earned, but uh, I, I, I beg to differ and, and hashtag free Ben Revere. <laughs> Well, we might as well talk about it now. The big play in that inning comes on the, uh, Chris Bryant's ground rule, double to center field. Michael Taylor tracks it to the wall, makes a leaping attempt in front of the growing ivy there. It's not quite in full, uh, I don't know, bloom is the right word for ivy, but growth maybe full growth so far. So there's a lot of vines That's and some green leaves out. out there. Yeah. <laughs> vines and green uh, leaves on the wall. It's a brick wall behind there, so he kind of, Got spooked. I don't know if it's the right word, but didn't go get make the catch. It ends up being a ground rule double. Might have saved him a run because uh, Lestella had to stop at third base on that play, but he ends up walking Rizzo after that. And Cubs challenge a play on the call, and Ben Zobris comes through with a hit after that. But uh, it's a tough out there. You saw Jason Worth later in the game make an attempt at, at the wall, too, and kind of came up short and didn't make the catch. You don't want to be running into these walls. We've seen what happens when you do in the past. It's unforgiving brick out there with a little bit of ivy on top of it. So hard to blame these guys, but you have to know where you're playing. I think both of those balls and both of those instances were catchable balls. Yeah, and, and I understand that this is not a ballpark that uh, that they get a lot of reps in so that they're familiar with the outfield and it is a lot different feel to it there's there's no padding out there just unforgiving walls with scratchy plants on the front so you, you get shreds <laughs> in addition to bruises and splinters uh, and I think FP and Bob made a good point on the on the broadcast that the the basket hanging out over there makes it a little bit trickier trying to trying to catch a high fly ball uh when, when you're close to the wall like that, you know, because you've you got this sort of coming into the top of your field of vision and, and you're wondering you know, if it's going to deflect off that or something. Uh, so, okay, it, they they were tough plays. I, I will grant you that. Um, I, I got to think Ben Revere catches that ball. Mm-hmm. You know, Wirth, Wirth has lost a step, so I, I will cut him some slack for trying to showboat there and, and jumping up and misplaying a catchable ball back there because I've, I've seen him do things that are just as bad, if not worse, in the relatively unthreatening left field confines <laughs> at uh, at Nats Park. Uh, but 
really, if, if Taylor is going to do horrible things like his eighth inning at bat, he's got to get it done in the field. And, and that, that was just not getting it done in the field. I have that on my list, so we'll just jump to that since you mentioned it. Uh, was it seventh? Or, it was. It, it was the eighth. I had it written down yeah. seventh. But they start the eighth inning against Pedro Strope. Uh, Danny Espinosa hit by yet another pitch, which is just brutal. The poor guy must have some bruises all over his body. But uh, Clint Robinson okay. walks in the next. Clint Robinson walks in the next at bat. Two on, no outs. They're down by two at that point, so no point in bunting and just going for one run. Uh, also, you're letting Michael Michael A. Taylor swing away. However, uh, he just gets ahead in the count, but quickly falls. Well, uh, lets the stroke even it up. Ends up striking out on a pitch out of the zone. I, I don't know if any of the pitches were even in the zone in that at bat, but another uh, rough at bat by him. All you need is contact there, preferably not a double play. But he strikes out swinging. Anthony Rendon steps up in the next at bat. It grounds into a 4-6-3 inning ender, so just a really tough sequence there after Pedro Strope gave him a little life. Uh, had a chance to tie it up there. It didn't come up, and then Cubs end up going ahead with three runs in the eighth, or 5 nothing at that point. Yeah, you you got to be ready to swing in case he just makes makes that desperate get-me-over pitch like he did to the first pitch to Rendon. Uh, but, gosh, he got four, if not five, balls on that uh, on that at bat and maybe that one pitch he fouled off was a strike or at least close to being a strike but everything else was well out of the zone and if he's not recognizing those pitches or who is just so eager he can't be patient there uh, he's he's not helped to the ball club right now uh, if you're if you're not giving us extraordinary defense or at least well above average defense to go with a sub-300 OBP, uh, what are you doing in the lineup, man? Ben Decker can do that and and give a little bit better defense. Well, okay, that's that's a slight overstatement. But (laughs) we we have two of the same player except one's left-handed. I think that does bring up an interesting question, though, with Ben Revere. They didn't want to bring him back today. I wanted to get Cole out there. I think it was 42, according to one of the guys I was talking to, a Cubs fan who was going to be in the park at night. So they didn't want uh, Revere coming off an oblique injury going out there his first game in 42-degree weather when he hadn't had a full day of workout. So from what they said before the game, they want a full day of workout tomorrow and then get him back off a disabled list and get him back in there. Uh, is there any chance you think the Nationals keep Ben Decker up and uh, send Michael Taylor down to get every day at bats and you know not be sitting on the bench playing a couple times a week and kind of wasting away there? They, they talked early this year about the plan of getting him in there enough that it was worthwhile for him, but way he struggled at the plate, uh, you think there's any possibility or you think it might be better for him if they keep Den Decker up for a while and send Michael Taylor down there to try to straighten things out? Again, this this is armchair coaching at, at its worst, but it seems to me like that's, <laughs> that's kind of what Taylor needs right now uh, is he, he needs the reps. He needs to be hitting every day, uh, getting into a groove with his timing and, oh, Den Decker is, is certainly not the long-term answer to anything, but as a fourth or fifth outfielder, he's not bad. Uh, I don't see the Nats doing this because Michael A. Taylor has the ceiling and, and they're probably going to cross their fingers that he puts it together somehow. And it, it puts the, the 
you know, all lefty bench a little bit more uh, in balance to bring mm-hmm. back Revere and then send down a, another lefty. And then you have Michael A. Taylor is another, uh, another righty on the bench. Um, not, not that I'm expecting great pinch hitting success out of him, but uh, it, it seems to me like that's, uh, that's the move that the Nats are going to make. They're going to send Dan Decker back now, which of course means I, I, they will do anything but that. <laughs> I was going to say, I assume so as well. Uh, I, you think you risk hurting the psyche of a player, too, that does play into this, and you send Michael Taylor down after he had a, a good rookie season last year, though he did struggle with the same things he's struggling with now and off to a rough start now. You send him down, you don't know what that's going to do to him. Uh, keeping him up here, getting him in as much as he can, probably the best way to go, but not a good night for Michael Taylor tonight, even though he did get one hit on the night, but Kyle Hendricks limited the Nationals to just two hits total when he was on the mound. Started the game 1-0 and with a 2-2-5 ERA and two career starts versus the Nats last season. 1-2, 3-5-2 ERA, 2-5-0 fit, 7.43 K per 9, 1.57 walks per 9, 2-27, 2-64, 3-20 line against in 23 innings. Six scoreless tonight, four Ks, nine ground ball outs, which is what you're going to see from him most of the time. Nothing spectacular about him, but he's a solid pitcher who goes out there and just generates ground balls and really just had the Nationals off balance all night. They really didn't generate much of anything against him while he's on the mound. Yeah, it's just basically a right-handed John Lennon. So that's you can you all can feel more more bad about that, Matt, for losing to this guy. But you know, <laughs> he, he went out and was, and was not too wild. The the two walks to Harper notwithstanding, and the bit by pitch to. Uh, I guess he had one of the two hit by pitches that uh, that Espinosa absorbed today, uh, but you know he, he induced some some weak ground ball contact. Uh, other than uh, the the two hits from Harper and, and Taylor, which were both fairly well struck, there there wasn't a lot of uh, a lot of good contact uh, against him today. So it, he did his job. The the sinker ball was working. Uh, it got the results. And th- this was, I think, one of the more favorable matchups out of the four uh, that the Nats had today. And uh, the fact that they didn't pick it up, that, that hurts a little bit. You know, that, that's going to make it a lot dip- more difficult, I think, for the Nats to get a split out of this series. Interesting tonight to watch the potential uh, would-be national second baseman, Ben Zobrist, one of the guys they pursued along with Brandon Phillips before they ended up signing Daniel Murphy. Got a good look at what Zobers brings to the team. A switch-hitting infielder, two for four on the day with two-run single and then the two-run home run late in the game from the other side of the plate against Felipe Rivero. Daniel Murphy, 0 for four. I'm not going to complain about that with the start of the season he's had, but it was a nice showcase of what Ben Zobers brings to the team out there for the Cubs. Yeah, yeah, a little frustrating. You know, you, you see why, why the Nats were after him. I never really understood the appeal of Ben Zobrist, but then again, you know, this, this is why I don't manage a major league ball club. Uh, <laughs> I was also against the Daniel Murphy, Murphy signing, as you will recall, so no one should take advice from me about how to, how to manage their baseball team. Um, yeah, so Zobrist, so, a, a, a solid veteran player at uh, reasonable economical prices, as if the, the Cubs needed more help on their roster. I've said this before, and I'll say it again, but not <laughs> saying that you're not smarter than the GM, not smarter, smarter than the pitching and hitting coaches and the scouts out there. You're playing the internet wrong, doghouse. <laughs> <laughs> <Impressive. laughs> Sorry. 
impressive game by the Cubs out there uh, looking for their run differential, which I thought was interesting when they started this game. Uh, 159 runs scored to 66 allowed so far this year, a plus 93 run differential on the year for tonight. Major League best, also the third highest run differential through 26 games by any major league team since 1900, behind only the 1902 Pirates and 1905 Giants. Uh, pretty impressive start to the season for this Cubs team. I think they're 21-6 and six on the season now. Uh, it's going to be a tough matchup for the Nationals going forward. Three more with the Cubbies in here, and like you said, it doesn't get any easier, but a good look at what this team is made of and what Joe Madden's working with out there in Chicago. Yeah, they're they're the team that had all the hype or has all the hype this year that the Nats had last year, uh, except unlike the Nats last year, they seem to be living up to it so far. Uh, this is also a team that's not at full strength. Uh, Hayward hasn't been good so far this year. I guess he's, he's had like some problems with his wrist. Schwarber's been hurt. Uh, so if we, we talk about how good the Nats can be if everyone sort of gets going all at the same time. Uh, I This Cubs team is a, is a scary monstrosity of, of baseball juggernautdom, if, if I can coin that term there. Uh, and I'm, I'm not looking forward to having to dodge the steamroller over the next three games. <laughs> Tomorrow... Uh, the 19-9 and nine Nationals against the 21-6 and six Cubs. Max Scherzer on the mound against John Lackey, who's always been a bit of a pest out there for everyone in the league. But I, I liked what I saw from Scherzer last time out on the mound. He put together a good start and got the win. But uh, a 220 start with the Cubs, going to be another tough one for the Nationals. Lackey, uh, eight innings in his last outing, longest start since last August. Uh, Scherzer struck out season high nine last time, scattered four hits, as the MLB previews say. Uh, this might be one of the matchups that's in the Nationals' favor, but Lackey's always trouble for everyone. Uh, I, it's like Lackey just has a big sign on his forehead that says reverse jinx. So, you know, <laughs> what, what what can you possibly do against that that scenario here? I'm, I'm hoping that the, the Nats are able to put it together and hang like 25 runs on, uh, on Arietta. <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath for that one, but we'll see what they can do Which tomorrow. game they will probably lose 26 to 25. <laughs> a rare Friday afternoon game. I just caught me off guard when I saw that time earlier, but that'll be make for a fun afternoon tomorrow in Chicago. That's nightly sponsored by federalbaseball.com. Sorry, Dave couldn't join us, but some last minute plans on his part. Uh, messed up the timing of everything. So hopefully we'll be back with both of you guys tomorrow. And if I remember correctly, you're going to be in Chicago for at least two of the games this series, correct? Yeah. Should be fun. Hopefully I won't get beat up. Nats nightly signing off for the night. This is when Dog Ass says. Go Nats. Talk to you tomorrow, sir.